Dave Meltzer here. I sat down with the one and only Sugar Ray Leonard, and I had the most personal, intimate, and emotional conversation about our fathers, about abuse, and about drug and alcohol use. I actually shared a secret that I never thought I would to the public. Join me and Sugar Ray for all of that and more here on The Playbook. I've almost feel guilty because I think I've left so much content on the table because you're such a wonderful person. But I'm here with the champ, Sugar Ray Leonard. And what a treat it is because I'm not going to talk too much about boxing. I really want to get to the conversations that we've been having about life. And so let me take it a little bit farther back. I know one story about you that you actually had to lie about how old you were <laughs> so you could begin your, your amateur boxing career. There's a certain uh, boldness about that. You know, when you're 16 or 17, to lie about your age so you can compete in a world platform. Where did that boldness come from, that confidence uh, come from? I was always optimistic, determined, uh, focused. I, I, I never, if you told me I couldn't achieve, I would achieve. Uh, going back to 1972 Olympic trials, I, you know, I was 16 years old, and I said I was 17, so I figured it was just a little, a little white lie, <laughs> and didn't think much of it. But uh, it, it, it proved to be true because, or fact, because I wasn't as experienced at that age, so I had I lost in the quarterfinals. Okay, and you know, moving through your career, you had many different. You know, opponents, many different weight classes. I think you're the first person to win five different weight classes. You've won over $100 million in purses. But you really don't think of yourself as the most talented boxer, or the strongest or fastest boxer. What is the characteristic that made you the world's greatest? I display heart. I display brilliance. I display intelligence. I display being a winner. I never gave up. Um, that was, I don't know, it was, it was always inside of me. It was, I, I believe I got that from my mom, who's, a, you know, she's an incredible woman, raised seven kids, uh, and my dad. My dad was uh, not educated. He, he dropped out of school, I, th I believe, in the fifth or sixth grade, maybe. Uh, but he had a heart, and he provided. And... I took that gene, I had that gene, I had that that intestinal fortitude. Yeah, and you can see it throughout your entire career, inside the ring and outside the ring, because everything outside the ring wasn't always easy as well. Um, let's talk about your dad for a moment, because I know your dad just passed. Yes. And uh, what did he pass of? My dad was 95, he just general, I mean, just... Old age. Your old age, yeah. My father, um, back in the Olympic, well, when I came home from the Olympics with the gold medal, I was going home to rest up and then attend University of Maryland to further my education. My dad went to a coma because he was again he was a hardworking man who did, who didn't take care of himself naturally, okay. uh, but he uh, he was fading. And I asked my mentor, James Morton. I said, how can I make fast money? Because we didn't have money. And he said, turn pro. I didn't give it a second thought. I turned pro. I made the money to help him get a, a, you know, for the hospital bills and what have you, to allow him and my mother to retire from their hardworking jobs. 
and that was a beautiful thing. He and again, he woke up. <laughs> he became strong. He was happy, and he was proud of me. And you know, I. It's so it's so incredible that what I did was through boxing. I mean, boxing allowed me to make those things happen, yeah. make those things come to fruition. Right, and he lived to 95 years old, and it always makes you wonder if you didn't have those opportunities and options to be able to help him, what your own father's life would be like. And you and I share so many similar things. Right. My dad just passed as well, and I always tell a story how my father, who wasn't there for me as a young age, we became closer older, and it happened when I was 30 because I was bitter with my father since I was 10, not only because he left when I was five, but he forgot my birthday, and then because he felt so bad, because I'm older now and a father, I know he projected his insecurity, and he told me, you know, Dave, don't worry, because I don't believe in birthdays. And so not only did he forget my birthday was 10, until I was 30 years old, he intentionally wouldn't celebrate my birthday to hold his word that the reason he forgot my birthday. And then at 30, he gave me a jacket with no pockets, and I thought it was a joke. And I asked him, what is that for? He said, because I'm worried about you. And this is when we got really close. I said, what do you mean you're worried about me? He said, I gave you that jacket not to wear, to hang in your closet, because I was a multimillionaire by 30. He said, I want you to remember every day you're not taking anything with you. So I tore out all those pockets. I never want you to wear it. I still have that jacket. And when I said goodbye to my father, it was very similar. I asked him, I was mad at my dad, because I asked him, you ready to go, dad? Right. No, he's a, he's a strong man. Nope. I'll tell you when I'm ready to go, Dave. And I will tell you, for three years, the doctor would tell me, say, you got to come down here. I get on the phone. You know, they thought he was going to pass. I'm not ready to go. Don't worry. On Father's Day, I went down to visit, told me he wasn't ready to go one last time. I said, just in case, Dad, because I could tell he wasn't doing well. I said, I love you, and I appreciate you. And, you know, you know just please tell me what, you know, he says, I love you, son. And that was the last thing, passed away the next day after he hung on to see all his, all his kids and the next day. Tell me about when your dad passed. I know you had a special experience. You know, Dave, I, uh, I was scheduled to go to see my dad, you know, like a couple weeks later. And my wife, uh, she called me one day when I was out of town. She said, Ray, something's not right. Go see your father tomorrow. I said, baby, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks. She said, no, no. And for some reason, I mean, I know the reason, but I went. Um, saw my father that night. The next morning, he passed away. And what, what was so incredible was that I didn't have any emotions. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I was so numb. Um, and I don't want to say it was shock or whatever, but I was just numb. And uh, we buried my dad. Uh, I went back home. About a, a week later, I'm driving a car, and all of a sudden I felt this pressure on my brain and on my, in my heart. And I thought I was having a heart attack, so I pulled over. And I just started crying, man. I, I cried like a baby. And then I, the next day I'm in the shower, I'm crying again. And then the third and final time, I was by myself reading a book or something, and I cried again, and that was it. I, what they call bereavement, I don't know, because my mom is still dealing with that. She, she still hears my father. Like, she'll wake up in the morning to make coffee, and she'll say, Cicero, you uh, want your coffee? 
and then she because she forgot yeah. that he passed away, and but now she's with friends and she goes to these classes that, uh, you know, allows her to understand this whole process. That's a, that's beautiful. One, one of my friends told me because you know I miss my father, and I, he said, Dave, if I asked you how your dad would answer a question, could you tell me? And I said, Oh, without a doubt. He says, Then your father's with you. Right. Yeah. That, so sometimes I just ask myself those questions. Um, well, one of the other things we have in common is, you know, not our championship boxing skills, that's for sure. But outside the ring, we both learn to illuminate what happened in our lives. And we know the true pain in life is holding on inside to certain secrets that make us human. Yes. And, you know, explain to me how it felt, you know, when you wrote your book, which illuminate so many challenges that you had in life and how you felt when you were able to let other people know about your journey and what you've experienced in that journey. You know, some people would feel it's embarrassing. Others, you know, don't have the humility. Tell me about how you felt when you're writing that book. You know, Dave, that was the most difficult uh, process I, I ever felt and dealt with. Uh, I was sexually abused as a, a young kid, and um, and when my writer uh, he kept asking me questions about personal things, deep things, and I was like my my own publicist. I was protecting myself, and and then one day I I, I saw this this guy talk about being sexually abused, and. Um, I said, I need to talk about that. I need to talk about that. And when he interviewed me, my, my writer, I told him about that. Uh, and I, I was crying while I was, you know, Tell explaining, him. telling him, explaining what happened, how it happened. Uh, but it, I just felt that I shouldn't put this in the book. I shouldn't put this anywhere because, first of all, you know, I was a world champion, boxing champion. Um, I was African American, whatever that means. <laughs> um, but I mean, these things were. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, was, I, I was a guy, you know, I was, a, I was machismo and what have you. Uh, actually, it was Todd Bridges who was on Oprah, I believe it was. Uh, but um, I talked about it. And then when he put that in the book, and that there was a book signing, I, I sh was shaking like a leaf because I was anticipating people, fans coming up to me talking about my my darkness. But it was it was just the opposite. I mean, guys bigger than I, six five, muscles and short guys and skinny guys and big guys. And they say, hey, "Man, thank you so much, man. That happened to me." And I will hug that that individual, and we just cry together. Yeah, it. I, I tell you, I, I'm learning. I learn more about myself. You know, they say you can't teach your, you can't teach your old, old dog new tricks. That's not true. You can. You know, I, I that allowed me to understand that I am a survivor. That I I won't give up. That I have that intestinal fortitude to to move on. If someone tells me I can't do it, I will do it. I will find a way to do it. It's interesting. I, I had similar experience as a young man myself. I don't talk about it on the podcast, but I'm, you know, with friends and family, 
you know, talk about it. And I've never talked about it on this podcast. And, you know, because it's not easy. You know, things happen, but things happen in life to you that make you stronger. And I was sharing the lesson of my mom that, you know, lessons are miracles, which always made me grateful for when things happen that taught me a big lesson. She would say, what, what did you do to attract this in your life? And what are you supposed to learn from it? And, you know, all the different things that happened to us, you know, from, you know, that young experience to older, how we might actually get involved with alcohol or drugs later on in life because we're hiding, right? We have this whole, Mm -hmm. why do you think uh, human beings, and this is more on the entrepreneurial side because I see it all the time. Why do you, why do you think that we try to fill these voids or we're so self-destructive and instead of dealing with and processing the real problems? You have to, for me, uh, surrender. You have to to let out what is bothering you. You have to let out that pain. You have to talk about it. You have to vent. Uh, I find that I found out that the more I released, it made me stronger. It's smart. I mean, the things that I've done back in the back in back in the uh, '80s, the cocaine, the alcohol. You know, I, I'm I'm 11 years sober because I, I, you know, I never thought that I could have fun unless I was drunk or on drugs. And I don't project that. You know, people look at me and say, "No, he he wouldn't he wouldn't drink, <laughs> right?" Yeah. Just like as a fighter, I'm so opposite of being a fighter. I'm I'm non-confrontational. I, I, I'm shy. Right. You know, I don't like to hurt people. You know, that's amazing. But I'm 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 all those things, but outside the ring. And you know, once I accepted, once I surrendered, once I took charge of my life, because you have to take charge in everything. You have to be a fighter. You definitely have to be a fighter outside that boxing ring to achieve what you want or what you desire or what your passion is. And I try to instill this in my kids. And it's 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 hard because it's coming from me. Right. You know, like I said, hey, I tell my kids, I said, you know, you know, you smoke marijuana, you, you know, it's, it's going to lead to something. Else. Nah, nah, yeah. Because they look at me like, what do I know? I said, you know, I was your age one time. I was 16 one time. And they look at me like you knew it never six to right, right. And if it was, it was so it, long. Ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And and all now now this slang and all this kind of stuff. I and I don't know unless I, you know, go to social media. But um, I really try to give. I, well, I always do. I give my heart. I, when I talk, I'm talking to you, Dave. From your soul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can feel that. How do you explain to people? Because I, I I try my best when I surrender, when I live with radical humility, when I put faith into the things that I want in life, not the things that I don't want, when I actually surrender, that's how I get control of my life. And do you have, can you give me a yeah. shot at explaining to the audience, you know, how, how does that work? Uh, first, first and foremost, like I said earlier, you got, you, ha- you must want it, but you must be open to to take advice, but also to work towards it. Nothing, there's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcut in business. Um, whatever I wanted to achieve, I could achieve. And even if I didn't get there, as, you know, there's, there's always tomorrow. And I tell people to dream the dream. 
I mean, because your dreams are the window to your future. Your goals are the vehicle that takes you there. You take away those dreams, you're stuck in a room without windows. You take away those goals, you don't have a map to get to your dreams. You, you get, don't, don't ever stop dreaming. Because people will tell you for various reasons why you can't do those things. Don't ever give up. Continue to fight. Yeah, and that's the combination, I think, that make true champions. Been blessed to be around so many of them. But it's this combination of being an extraordinary dreamer, an optimist, combined with uh, John Asroff, one of my mentors. He says, the law of Goya, right? The law of getting off your ass. Getting off your ass, There's a lot of fortitude. And I think one of your key components in your life is, you know, I may not be better than you, but I'll outwork you. Either. Oh my God, I want to kiss you, man. <laughs> I want to kiss you. Back in the day, I have to use boxing again for this. Sure. Because, I mean, I wasn't as experienced as some of the other guys I faced, but I worked hard. I, tr- I ran, instead of running three miles, I ran five miles. Instead of doing sit ups for 100 sit ups, I did 200 sit ups. I did a little bit more. And I tried to instill myself the education, the knowledge that will give me a better chance, a better opportunity. To win, you know it's amazing because you're a person. I was with Ray Lewis, and he looked me in the eyes. He said, "You know, I'm not faster, stronger, etc. Then you know, I'm like the lion. I'm not the biggest one in the jungle, not the strongest, the fastest. But I'll tell you, when I stepped on the field, and he looked me in the eye and grabbed me, and he said, I was willing to die, yes. right? And he meant it. Oh my gosh! Now you're not an aggressive person, but you're in one of the most aggressive, uh, not only periods of boxing, but it, that's the most aggressive sport of our time." Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some brutal things today that are different, but it was the most brutal sport. Where did the uh, courage come from? Because you weren't out there like Mike Tyson. When, you know, I talked to Mike Tyson, and he said, I can't box today because I don't have it in my heart to hate. And I, he fought off of hate. You, you're not a hater. Right? He literally fought because he just was angry and mad and wanted to hurt someone. And you could see it the way he fought like a brawler well, you were an artist <laughs> well <laughs> but you still but knocked you, out 50% of the people you ever saw <laughs> most fighters need to create this aggression to train hard to go to training camp and be a beast um, I I am more I choreograph my fights I kind of find weak points strong points and what have you then I utilize that even the, and from a cerebral standpoint I take advantage of understanding what makes you tick what makes you upset this and that <laughs> and I do that and I and um, but I've always been that way because I, Muhammad Ali uh, has always been my idol uh, Sugar Ray Robinson uh, Bruce Lee Elvis Presley I mean nice because they were great they, they were bigger than life and I wanted to be bigger than life and I did whatever it took Dave whatever it took or required I would do it you remind me of Tony Gwynn. Uh, I have a saying, be more interested than interesting. And I like that. I when like I was young, Tony was blessed. To get, he had the San Diego School of Baseball, and he would sit there on an old Betamax machine with green screen and watch the, the tape, you know, and go back and forth and watch exactly where the pitcher's release was. You know, the old Betamax right. machine. Yes, yes, yes. And he would look at me, and he would always say, this is where I beat everybody, Dave. He said, I know where the ball's coming, so statistically I'm going to hit the ball. I know where it's coming because I'm studying. I'm you know, really studying. working hard here. I'm studying. 
How much did you study? It sounds like you had so much knowledge, not just physical knowledge, but psychological knowledge that you would get in someone's kitchen. You would have been a great golfer, for example. <laughs> you know, I hate to come down like Tiger and play you because <laughs> you know exactly what to say. <laughs> How much was it, the mental aspect of what you did? Uh, huge, huge. I mean, when I faced Marvelous Marvin Hagler, that was one. And I, I throughout the press conference, I kept saying, press conference tour, I kept saying, you know what, this is such an insult because you guys look at Marvin Hagler as being a, a slugger, the way he fought Tommy Hearns and this and that. I said, this guy's a better boxer. I kept saying that, kept saying, kept leaving it, kept leaving that. The last press conference we had, the last thing he said was that, I may surprise all of you. I may out, I may outbox Ray. <laughs> I had him. And yeah, he's I, fighting your fight now. Sorry, Marvin. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> he, he forgives you. Um, now you're very philanthropic, and you've you've learned through surrendering to give back. And diabetes and obesity are two of the key issues that you give back with. What motivated you most to get involved? You obviously give to so many, but to focus in on those two issues, what was the purpose or reason behind it? That's just who I am. Um, my wife and I started nine years ago and diabetes because my father diabetic um, and one of my best friends uh, he gave me he called me years ago and said Ray you know you're not going to believe this I am type 1 diabetic and I was like type 1 this guy was I mean this this guy was, I mean, he was the perfect specimen of, uh, you know, physical fitness. Or he, his kid, he said, my kid just, now she diagnosed as being, you know, type 1 diabetes or type 2. And back in the day, years ago, in other words, it was called juvenile diabetes. Right. And now what has happened, it's type 1, type 2, because now you can become diabetic at any age now. At any age, at fifteen or twelve or one or two, it's it's a horrendous disease, and because I'm blessed, Dave, I'm blessed. Uh, I reciprocate. I give back. I make a difference, and it's there's nothing greater than to be remembered, not just as someone who you should punch people out, but someone who who made a difference, who gave back to others. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is. And I'm humbled by that. <laughs> well, I'm humbled by you. Unfortunately, I have to have the last question. And I'm stuck between three different questions, so I'm going to pick one of them. But if you could give a gift to humanity, you carry a spirit of excellence, you carry a spirit of illumination, of humility and kindness. But if you could give one gift to humanity before you left, what would that gift be? A sense of pride and a sense of humility. I mean, really, uh, I'm concerned about my grandkids, my great grandkids, their lives, because it's just so. What this world is coming to now, it's 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 not it's not beautiful. It's not pretty. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. And it's scary. We need more role models and people like you that are willing to go out there and inspire others and tell your story and you know you you know to me have to stay relevant i tell my business partner warren moon that i you know as you get older he's like well is it worth it nobody knows who i am or yeah. yes people do 
they, they know who you are and it's so important for you to stay relevant because you know even I'm a couple of years younger than you even though I look older <laughs> this podcast has been so inspirational yes. for me it reminds me why I'm here and what I want to do with my life and I've been blessed and I so appreciate that but I know the younger people even though they may not relate necessarily when they hear the whole story and they know you're a world champion in five different classes and the unbelievable things you've done in the ring and off I think you know for me it's really important that you stay relevant and please if there's anything we can do an entrepreneur or myself uh, to help with your message absolutely um, this has been one of my favorite podcasts of all time and uh, I thought I'd be a lot more afraid to be oh, here. Dang, chop. <laughs> I've had I've had other boxers and mm-hmm. I'll tell you Ray Lewis was the scariest podcast. I'm sorry. Oh, Ray. <laughs> well, I sat side Ray's by side. Guy. When he grabbed me, yeah, he's so kind. But I just wanted to thank you, uh, and all the entrepreneurs out there, I'm sure will thank you as well. But this is the unbelievable champion, Sugar Ray Leonard, with Dave Meltzer, and this is Entrepreneurs the Playbook. <laughs>